Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hello, everybody. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, author of six books that you can see right there behind me, and they will all help you grow your dream business. I'm also the creator of No Hassle Newsletters, my first internet company started in 2007. We've served over 1,200 small business owners in nine countries with our newsletter content and templates. But today, most importantly, I am the host of Dream Business Radio now in its 10th year. This is episode 534, and it's another fantastic live edition with a very special guest, Brittany Hodak. Brittany, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Captain Jim, and I am thrilled to be here on the show. Thanks for having me on Dream Business Radio. Oh my gosh, I'm excited to have you. So we met a month ago, and um, your new book and your information came flying across my desk, and like so many others, I'm like, no, 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 ooh, what's this? And because, um, <laughs> folks, as a matter of fact, uh, we, we've we've been chatting here for about three or four minutes, and I said, oh God, 10 seconds, right? Because um, you know I cut my teeth on, on customer retention, client retention, all that. My second book was Stick Like Glue, and this is exactly what Brittany's book is about. So it's going to be a great, fun conversation. But anyway, before we get to that, um, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you are an entrepreneur or small business owner who is tired of slow to no growth in your business, if you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, maybe you're affected by shiny objects, who knows, but especially if you're interested in learning how to create multiple streams of revenue in your business, something Captain is very good at, then you want to check out the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. That is dreambizcoaching.com dreambizcoaching.com. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Brittany and we will dive right in. She is an award-winning entrepreneur and she's a speaker, customer service expert. She's delivered keynotes across the globe to organizations, including American Express and United Nations, just a couple small little firms there. She's worked with some of the world's biggest brands and entertainers, including Walmart, Disney, Katy Perry, and Dolly Parton, one of my faves. She founded and scaled an entertainment startup to eight figures before exiting and she's the former chief experience officer of experience.com. Forbes said of her debut book, Creating Superfans, if you have customers, you need this book. Brittany, I could go on, but I'm I'm really, I don't want to say I'm in awe. I'm so excited to talk to you because this is like, this has been such a passion of mine. And, um, you know, you, you, you forced me to look at my book, Stick Like a... Do you know this book was published? <laughs> Good grief. Now I can't find it. I want to say uh, 2010. And um, But customer retention never goes out of style, does it? It absolutely does not. It's so funny you say that. I just happen to have, um, I'm about to record a video for Chip Bell, 
who has been talking about this for years and years and years. And I have a copy of this book that he wrote, I think like in the early nineties, yeah. managing knock your socks off service. And it my, it was my dad. My dad was the manager of a Long John Silver's and he got this at like a Long John Silver's manager meeting. Um, and Chef Hyken, who also has been talking about customer service and customer experience for a long time, wrote the forward to my book. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, this is not a new idea. This is not even a particularly novel idea. <laughs> this like, be nicer to your customers and they will want to give you more money. They will come back. They will tell their friends. But in the forward to my book that Shep wrote, he talks about the world's oldest customer complaint letter that we have. It's literally like chiseled in a clay tablet in cuneiform. It's in the British Museum and it's like 4,000 years old. And it's a customer- what? complaining to his copper or supplier. Um, and so, yeah, customers have been the same forever because people have been the same forever. But I've tried to bring a new voice and a new perspective to this conversation to help a new generation of people understand why customer centricity really is the winning formula if you want your business to succeed long term. You know, um, so to show a little bit of why I've got some gray hair on my face, in 1980, I was managing a bicycle store. <laughs> and in the 80s, there was something, I think we were coming out of what I think in history is referred to as the Carter Recession. There was like double digit inflation, yeah. gas lines, everything. And I was running this bicycle store and we didn't have money to like, uh, we used to do some radio and stuff. So we didn't have money for customer acquisition. And so I put out a newsletter to about the 1,200 customers we had. And I, I, when I say put out a newsletter, this is a computer, I typed it out on a, on a typewriter on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. I cut out pictures from our catalog and glued them down there and I photocopied it. That was my first newsletter. But the point is, when I reached out to customers who already knew us, liked us, trusted us, that whole deal, they started coming in. And I'm like, wow, how about that? That's how I started the newsletter business. But more importantly, it's how I recognize the value of staying in touch with your customers and the tagline of my book. And we're not here to talk about my book, Jim, but it, it goes here, <laughs> how to create an everlasting bond with your customers. They stay longer and spend more. Right. And that's what super fans are. All. That's your book. I see your books over your shoulders. There's that's your book, right? Yes. And, you know, I always like to say that super fans are created at the intersection of your story and every customer's story. So it's exactly what you said. You've got to make your thing relevant to their life. And when you do that, when you create this amazing experience for someone to understand how you've made their life better in some way, they are yeah. much more likely to come back to tell their friends to spend more, to help more, all of those things. I used to say years ago, um, customer service is like at such a low, you don't even have to do like fireworks and give them free cake every time they come in. You just have to give them a great experience, something you should give anyway, and you'll stand out. Now, I think it's, I never would have imagined the average customer experience in a lot of businesses is what it is today. <laughs> but what caused you? I'm interested, I'm interested in your background because obviously you're, you look much younger than I do. Where, how did you get into the whole, um, retention-based thing. I mean, someone your age was, I, I imagine, like all about customer acquisition, digital marketing, and all this. It's kind of like an old, it seems like an older concept, if you will. 
Well, I think it, it it's old and you know what they say, everything old is new again. Mm. I'm fascinated by it. I grew up working in the entertainment industry and I was just obsessed with this idea of super fans. Like why did some people love certain artists and not others? Why did some bands become super successful when others just sort of faded into oblivion? Um, you know, it wasn't always about the marketing. It wasn't always about the talent. It always, it wasn't always about the money that was being spent. And so as I started to like really dig deeper into this, what I saw again and again and again were the bands and the artists who became the most successful were the ones who were most connected to their fans. Mm. They let their fans be part of the story to co-create this reality, right? Their fans didn't feel like just another number. And as I progressed in my career and worked for record labels and entertainment agencies and music magazines, and I started to work with brands, I started to realize that the exact same things that make you care about an artist will make you care about a brand. It is relevant to your life in some way. It is making your life better. That brand has overcome apathy, has overpowered that wall to say, here's why you should care about me. And then if they have that reciprocity, if they're showing you that they care about you, they're not just asking you to care about them in sort of a one-way street, you're that much more likely to, to create this bond. So my dad worked in customer service when I was growing up. As I said, he managed all on John Silver's. He was the customer service manager um, of a car dealership. And I think seeing the way he cared for customers and dealt with customers and then seeing as a customer, how often I've been made to feel like I don't matter. Um, I was really passionate about taking some of the things that I've seen in the world of entertainment and making them applicable to people wherever you are, wherever you're working. Because the reality is, is that the same thing that some of these stars do to create those long lasting relationships to make somebody, you know, fall in love with them, if you will. Everybody can use them. It doesn't matter what your business yeah. is. We're no longer in a world where it's like a product business or a service business. It's an experience economy. It's all about the experience. So I want everybody to be able to create super fans. It is an experience economy. You're right. I don't know if you I don't know if you can see the comments or not, but um Jeff Herring was talking about Jimmy Buffett's parrot heads. Phil's yes. talking about Grateful Dead. Now there's two yep. companies. Salt, salt. Yeah, salt. So there's two two companies. There's two to um, musicians who totally, I mean, they have some raving fans that, you know what yeah. I mean? Super fans to use your language. Now um, it's interesting that I think, uh, you know, rock and rolls all across the spectrum, but I know you live in Nashville. Um, and it, you know, when you were saying about musicians and the relationship they have, I can't help but think of country music in my opinion happens to do this probably the best they have their, I don't know if it's called fan fest or something, but they have this whole thing every summer where people can just walk up and get autographs and the fan, you know, the musicians stand there under a tent and talk to you and stuff. I don't know any other like music genre that does that, but that's a little bit about what you're talking about having that relationship. It is. And, you know, I, it, fanfare is amazing. It's so much fun every year. I've been many times. And what is great about that is that it allows country music fans to feel seen. It gives mm. them a sense of community. It allows them to feel like they're part of this bigger thing. And the beautiful thing about this world we're living in right now is that every brand can replicate that on social media because yeah. you have the same sense of community and what making someone feel like, you know, 
they're a part of your brand story. They're a part of your tribe. There's somebody whose feedback you care about it can be as simple as responding to a, you know, Instagram message where somebody tags you or writing back to a Twitter DM. The simplest things that say to somebody, I care about you. I don't yeah. just care about your money. I care about you. And when you can do that, in some ways, it has that same sort of like pixie dust as when and you know a fan gets to meet their favorite artist. Like my husband sometimes will be like, oh yeah, like this brand liked my tweet or this brand wrote back to my Facebook message. It does not matter that that could be like a 20-year-old social media intern because they're representing the brand and everyone is in the experience department. So as soon as you get any sort of recognition from that brand, you feel more closely connected to and aligned with that, whatever the entity is, the brand, yeah. you know, the artist, whatever the entity is. Such a good point. And speaking of social media, one of the things I noticed um, during during like the COVID lockdown, right? Um, remember the two weeks we were all locked out? No, let's not go there. But I, I saw artists like um, Mary Chapin Carpenter, who I used to be, you know, we saw her a couple of times. She's kind of not out too much. I saw uh, Paul Stanley from Kiss. I saw a bunch of musicians like coming on from their kitchen, right? And and making that connection just like with an acoustic guitar or something. I thought that was, I thought that was brilliant on a lot of levels. I think they just wanted to serve and connect because they couldn't be out on the road either. But it just strengthens the the relationship that you have with with your fans. Which, and I know we're talking fans right now, but that's how you should be thinking of your your customers. Hence the title of your book. Exactly. Because, you know, we, as we've both said, this is an experience economy now that we're living in. Um, and if you don't differentiate yourself in a way that makes someone care, you are by def definition, a commodity provider, right? Mm -hmm. People are going to choose to work with you or not based on, you know, factors like, are you the fastest? Are you the cheapest? Are you the closest to their house? And that's fine until you're not the fastest or you're not the cheapest or you're that's not right. the closest to their house. So you're not creating any kind of customer loyalty when you're thinking about things in commodity terms. So I talk about this idea of going from a commodity provider to a category of one. And one of the ways to do that is to create super fans, but you can't create super fans until you've done the work to understand why you deserve them. Like, mm. why should someone care about you? What is it that your business is the absolute best in the world at? How are you able to transform a prospect or a customer's life in a way that one of your competitors couldn't. And quite frankly, if you can't answer those questions, you probably don't deserve super fans yet. You probably still have some work to do to understand what it is that is this uniqueness that you bring to the table. Um, so I want to I want to ask you about some of the chapters in your book, but I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how in the world did you get to work with Dolly Parton? That was pretty cool. <laughs> so I launched an entertainment company in 2011 mm -hmm. and had the opportunity to work with so many of my heroes, uh, Dolly, Kiss, George Strait, like every contemporary really? artist, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, Selena Gomez, like the list goes on and on and on. Um, and so that was that was really cool. Dolly has always been one of my favorites. And she is an amazing example of how if you're true to yourself and your story, you can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Like my son knows Dolly as the book lady because of the imagination yes. library that will send you a book every single month from birth to age five. Um, Dolly has 
huge, huge armies of fans from every single, you know, slice of culture from every single age group from every single part of America. But she's the same Dolly. But because she's clear in her story, she's been able to connect with the stories of literally like millions of people, if not hundreds of millions of people around the world. Yeah. And one of the things you talk about is your story. So I'm going to ask that question in one second, but I want to share that uh, my wife and I both love Dolly Parton and we listened to the audio version of her book on the last trip we took where she told the story of every song she wrote, how it came, what inspired it. And it was just like, it was just like storytelling, but put a little music to it. So it's pretty fascinating. Anyway, um, yeah, so, she, she is a gem. I've had the privilege of working with her four or five times, oh. and she's just everything you would ever imagine her to be. She's she's a light, like she literally glows, like she looks like an angel. And just it's like in every picture I have with her, you can just see like the light radiating from her. She's she's amazing. I call her at, Saint Dolly. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked her once. It might have been Johnny Carson, but he goes, well, "So you you're working a lot still?" He goes, "She goes, well, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap." <laughs> It's such a, not had, she has such a great sense of humor. So chapter two in your book, it says, start with your story. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So when I say start with your story, I don't mean lead with your story. I don't mean you should be out there trying to tell your story to everyone before they say something to you. What I mean is that everything has to originate from your story your uniqueness. Because as I said before, if you can't answer the question, why are you the absolute best person to help me? Then what's the obvious conclusion that somebody's going to come to? You must not be, right? Mm -hmm. So that story, that superpower that you have, that ability to impact your customers is where everything's got to originate. And this is true both of the company, so like the corporate level story, and also every employee. Because as I said before, every single employee is in the experience business. The second somebody puts on that name tag, whether it's a literal name tag or a medical, metaphorical name tag, they are your business. And those interactions or the reputation that your company is going to have. So, you know, it's good that you said you don't lead with your story because in chapter three, you say you need to understand your customer's story because your customer's story is actually more important than yours, right? Because if you don't understand what's going on with your customer, so share a little bit about that one, if you would. Absolutely. So in the book, I talk about things like active listening. I talk about the need to balance empathy and authority. There's a great quote that I love by Teddy Roosevelt. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yes. So I talk about all of these things. Um, but to understand your customer story, you've got to get to know them on a deeper level. You've got to know what it is that they're struggling with. Like, how can you make their life better? What's the transformation that they're hoping to undergo as a result of working with you? And, and several other questions that I sort of walk through within the frameworks of the book. But if you don't understand that, you're very likely not going to create a super fan. You might close a sale, but it might be a one and done. Right. And then that gets into the, like all the money that you're spending on retention. And honestly, customer retention should begin before you even close a deal. Like you should be thinking about retention always. And I know that you know this, Captain Jim, like that is just something that should always be your goal. And understanding your customer story is how you can focus on that. And you can create an experience that's so tailored, so memorable, so meaningful that they would never dream of going anywhere else because they've already found their solution. They've already got the perfect partner. I always, I always said in my, um, my book, Stick Like Glue, I said, don't celebrate the initial transaction, celebrate a lifetime customer. 
because the initial transaction that's that's what you did to gain the customer and i and Another expression is um, it, do everything in your power to maximize the profitability of each and every customer relationship, or I think you're committing um, <laughs> retail. Oh, I forget what the name I use, but it's sort of like attorneys used to get in front of their cab, their, their big bookcases and talk about it. Um, but anyway, what? so a lot of people that listen to um, this podcast and have followed me are certainly a, a solopreneurs entrepreneurs, small business owners that might have maybe three to five team members. A lot of them are virtual, but I do have many people that have storefronts, but I don't know that I have many customers that have, you know, a hundred employees. So thinking more like the small business market, what suggestions do you have for somebody that, that does have, you know, uh, been in business maybe three, five years or just starting out? How do they go about building super fans? Well, I think it's exactly as I said, you know, before you've got to figure out a what is your uniqueness? What is it that you're able to do that no one else is able to do? And then really create what I like to call an intentional experience design for your customers. What do you want your customers to feel when they tell their friends about you? What do you want them to say? How are you engineering all of the moments along your customer's journey to create those predictably fantastic outcomes? How are you architecting everything that goes into it? So in the book, I talk about some of the systems and processes and automation and technology that you can use. But those employees are such a critical part of it because you're right. If you've only got if you're a solopreneur or if you've got a team of three to five people, every single moment is important. Your time. I mean, everybody's time is their most important resource, but it can feel like it's that times a thousand when you've got a really small team. So aligning everyone on your team around the exact same priorities and objectives of this is how we create these meaningful customer relationships. This is how we want our customers to feel. This is what we're going to do to ensure it happens. And in the rare instance, when it doesn't happen, this is what we're going to do to take care of the problem as quickly as possible, because right. we know it's not just about that one sale. It's about the lifetime value that this relationship with this valued customer represents. Hmm. Um you know, I know you have a chapter in your book called Exceed Expectations. Um, I always thought Dell Computer did a decent job at that. I've been, I've been using Dell Computers for, you know, 25 years. Or so, and every time I go to order a new computer online or whatever, they say, oh, it's going to arrive, let's say, February 14th. And sure enough, on February 9th, it's on the doorstep. <laughs> it's like they have, I'm pretty sure they have it built into their system where you're gained to expect, you're led to expect one thing and they beat it. I mean, that's a very simple way to do that. Do you, do you have other ideas on how you can exceed expectations? Yeah, that's a very simple way. And honestly, a lot of companies have that built in, not just because of, um, you know, that wanting to like surprise and delight when it's there early, but because Dell is not oftentimes in charge of those shipments, right? They're right. using carrier partners and they don't want you to be disappointed at Dell because of weather or because of a FedEx computer mm -hmm. error or because like Amazon couldn't get their delivery person, like whatever it is. So understanding that your suppliers and your partners are also part of how your customer views your brand. Even if they don't work for you, if they work with you, there is a little bit of a perceived endorsement on your part. And as much as we can look at it and say like, oh yeah, it is illogical for me to be upset at the vendor because of a shipping issue, but we still get upset at the vendor when there's That's a That's right. Issue. It's still your fault. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So one really good way to exceed expectations is to make sure you're thinking about the totality of that customer's journey. So for you, let's say like the 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 the, the Dell example, um, someone new to customer experience might think that your experience with Dell starts the minute you place that order and ends, uh, you know, when your when your shipment arrives. But in reality, your journey as a customer started long before you were mm -hmm. on the website because you were doing research, you were gathering information, you were talking to people, and it extends way beyond when that product is delivered because you're using it. You may be calling for help. You may be, you know, talking in Dell communities about, about your product with, with other people. So thinking about the totality of your customer's experience and you know, I, one of the stories I tell in the book is how freaked out I was the first time I saw a teacher outside of school when I was in like first or second grade. <laughs> Do you remember that? You remember the first time you saw yes. a teacher like at the community? What are they doing like, in the grocery oh. store? <laughs> they let them leave the school and it like, it's like warps your brain a little bit as a child because you've never thought about them outside of that classroom, right? Like they just exist in your little mind as your teacher who like, you know, is just at school. Your customers have these full 360 degree lives outside of their relationship with your brand. So the best brands and the smartest brands know that they shouldn't just be looking to engage with and add value to their customers in the context of like what that relationship is together, but they should be that teacher that's at the grocery store or the movie theaters. Like how can you acknowledge like the totality of who your customers are, not just what they represent to you? Yeah. Dan Kennedy, my, my greatest mentor, used to say, uh, when when you're in the public eye like that, especially well, you consult and he didn't like have a virtual or, or even a brick and mortar store, but he said, you are always on. You never know who you're going to see and things like that. He even said um, when he when he goes to uh, speak at various places, you know, he has no trouble jumping in a in a taxi or something like that. It's not that, but he always has them arrange a town car. Because if he's Dan Kennedy speaking all these groups, it's more important for him to show up in a town car, get out, be the celebrity. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's that's very similar to how at least the successful entrepreneurs that I know, they're always being very careful of how they're seen, how they're perceived. You know, you don't have I, I joke around sometimes about social media where you, social media has removed the ability for you to have your nine to five kind of ward cleaver worker be and then there's you on the weekend and the two shall never mix there's there's no filter anymore right oh no filter at all because we're the same people all the time and occasionally i have people tell me they're like really uncomfortable with this idea of a personal brand they're like right. i don't want to you know i don't have a personal brand i don't want to think about that and i always say to them well you have one that's just reality because you made the decision to, to exist on social media or online in some way. So it's not a matter of do you want a personal brand or not? It's are you in control of your personal brand or are you letting it be dictated by others? And that's the choice that you have to make. And, you know, as I said before, everything is experience, every interaction, every touch point. Whether or not you show up in a town car or a taxi, whether or not you're wearing a tuxedo or a t-shirt, all of it is part of the experience that your customers and your employees take in and then use to, you know, create their reality of what your brand is. Yeah. Um, 
So you wrote a blog, you have a very nice blog on your website, by the way, it's where I go to do some of my research, but you had a blog post about rewarding your loyal customers. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I learned, I'm curious about your opinion on this is it's not enough just to reward your customers. Like everybody gets this. One of the things I learned early on was that if somebody came in and um, purchased in my old bike shop days, purchased a hundred dollar bike, and then somebody bought an $800 bike and lots of stuff, Giving them a 10% off coupon in your next purchase to somebody who spends three dollars to $4,000 is not the same as somebody comes in for an inner tube once a month, right? So do you talk about like, well, in the, you know, in the marketing world, it'd be like list segmentation, in this case, customer segmentation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, the, the third pillar of the supermodel, which we were sort of going through, super is an acronym, S-U-P-E-R, P is personalized. Okay. And it's all about treating your customers the way they want to be treated. So the idea of the platinum rule, don't just treat people the way you want to be treated or the way you think they should want to be treated. Treat them the way they actually want to be treated. And every customer is going to want to be treated a different way. So yes, it is absolutely your job uh, as the brand to make every customer feel as though they are the most important customer. And to your point, like what you actually do is going to be different um, for somebody who's spending $100. It may be as simple as the fact that they brought two little kids in and you have stickers behind the counter or like a coloring book that's like yes. color the bike that you want or whatever. And when you've got those those high, higher dollar customers, it could be, you know, something more like, hey, um, do, are you into competitive riding? I'd love to sponsor you if you want to like be in this bike race next month that's raising money for cancer or, you know, whatever. So yes, you should absolutely reward your customers and using technology to help with that list segmentation and to help with um, sort of the analysis of information so that you can very quickly gain real-time insights about mm -hmm. your customers is something that everybody should be doing. Brittany, do you, um, do companies hire you like as a consultant? Do you go out to different companies or do you consult virtually or? So I'm a keynote speaker and I actually okay. don't do consulting anymore in the traditional sense, honestly, just because I don't have the capacity. I love consulting, but I've got two little boys and I'm mm. speaking probably 50 dates this year out, out wow. on the road. Uh, I've already got like 30 something and we're in what, January. Um, <laughs> but what I do is something that I call intentional experience design days, where if somebody wants me to come in and work with their team, either their executive team or their sales team, we can have a very sort of intense, hands-on, heads-down work session where we work through some of these intentional experience design principles to help people improve the way that their customers and their employees experience their business. But that's the only type of consulting I do these days. Okay. Um, it, when it comes to the rewards, I'm not choosing my words. I, I'm always going to sneeze for a second. But when you're when you're choosing the rewards, how you want to um, gift your your good customers? Hold it, hold it in there, Jim. Um, I, I assume you you've got to find a way to automate that because we're like you know I always say you're, we're really you know you're like a fireman or something, fire person. But like you go into work every day and you're putting out fires. How do you know? So there must be some pretty good automation. Do you help people with that? Oh, yes, absolutely. There's great automation. And I'm always happy to happy to recommend tools. And going back to the idea of list segmentation, let's say gifting, because you use that example of right. rewards. Um, you may have 
a set it and forget it or set it and look at it every now and then automation to 90% of your customers. But for the top 10% or the top 20%, you may say, you know what, I want this to be a personal touch, like high touch every single time. So I've got automation to remind me that their birthday is coming up, but they're not going to just get the like handwritten birthday card that everybody else gets. They're going to get, you know, a very thoughtful gift that I'm curating based on what I know about them and what I know about the way that they want to be treated. That's awesome. Um, so where do you want people to go to get the book? And then how should people connect with you? Uh, do you want to go to Amazon, go to your website What's to get the book super fans? I want them to go anywhere they want because customer experience <laughs> is all about what your customers want. So creating super fans is available everywhere books are sold. You can pick it up in person at a Barnes and Noble or Books a Million, your favorite local indie bookstore. There are so many amazing ones across the country. It's also available at Amazon. You can get it in the hardcover edition that is beautifully printed and colored throughout, or you can get the ebook or the audible version. So again, whatever you want, my job is to make it as easy as possible for you to find the book. That's such a great answer for what we just talked about it's whatever you want <laughs> because it's not about how i want you to get the book it's how you want to get the book so if you've enjoyed this conversation i would love for you to check out the book i think that you'll enjoy it i hope that you'll enjoy it and if you want to keep the conversation going with me you can find me at brittanyhodak.com and i'm just at Brittany hodak on pretty much every social channel that's awesome. Brittany, thank you so much. I, I knew I was going to enjoy the heck out of this conversation. You obviously uh, know your subject well. Thank you so much for coming uh, on. Thanks for having me, Jim. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with my um, my very special guest, Brittany Hodak. Kind of like, man, she's continuing the mantle forward on the importance of customer retention. I mean, the, the easiest sale to make is to somebody who's already bought something from you. So stop always looking for new customers. Anyway, I highly recommend you connect with her, follow her, go get her book, Super Fans, and learn from her. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. That's my home base, getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested in joining me and about 27 other very smart, growth-oriented entrepreneurs in the Dream Business Mastermind, go to dreambizcoaching.com dreambizcoaching.com. You can get the digital versions of my six books for free, part of my uh, legacy building program. Obviously, they're free as Kindles and Amazon, Nook Books on Barnes & Noble, and they're also in the iBookstore. Totally free, no opt-in, no nothing. Just go get a great education on me. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.